Hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be back with you today. Last week, I was traveling on vacation, and I visited a church in Orlando, Florida, and I had an incredible experience. Okay, the, the, the music was incredible. The sermon was impactful. I even got the VIP guest treatment, which at this church means sitting on the front row, okay? It's a little odd. Um, my wife did not enjoy that part of it. Okay, I got some church merch to go along with it. It was, it was, I didn't even have to wait on all the fellowshipping to end before I could go to lunch. Okay, it was a great church experience that was very different than what I do here. But I want you to know I missed you guys. Okay, I love connecting with Christians across the world. There's nothing like being in this place on Sunday morning with you guys. So I'm grateful to be here. Hey, I want you to know that if you are a visitor with us today, we are especially glad that you guys are here. We don't always have shells being thrown at you at the beginning of the service. Okay, this is a great time to visit. Um, you can see Jonathan and Joey. Nobody is more committed to this series than Jonathan and Joey are. I'm just going to say that right now, okay? Uh, but this has been a lot of fun as we've kind of unpacked some, some popular stories in our world today and connected them to biblical themes, and we're going to do that today in just a minute. Hey, before we get started, I'm excited to tell you about a change that we're making that's going to make it a little bit easier for you to interact with us. You see, we've been tracking our, our app usage for a while now, and, and it just turns out that not a lot of people are using it. A lot of people don't even know that we have an app. And on top of it all, it costs us a lot of money every single year. And so we, we started evaluating that. We started talking to some folks. We started doing some research on how people are most likely to stay engaged with us as a church. And what we've decided to do is this week we're going to launch a brand new website, okay, that's going to be mobile friendly, and it's also going to incorporate all the features of the app, okay? So that site is going to go live later this week. We'll post some stuff on social media. Um, but the app is going to go away at the end of the month, okay? Now, for some of you, we twisted your arm to get you to download the app. And now that it's going away, you feel like you're losing your best friend, okay? I understand that. So what we're doing is for the next two weeks, starting next week, we're going to have some people out in the lobby area. There's going to be some designated places, and they're going to meet with you, answer questions, and help you find all the things that you're looking for on the website so that you can get the most out of it. So that sound good? Okay, if you need more help than that, okay, because you're just absolutely overwhelmed by the app, um, who's in here? Amy's in here. I'm going to give you her home address, and you're welcome to go anytime, day or night. Avoid the armadillos, okay, but go in there and talk to her about it. She'll help you out with that, okay? Sound good? All right, who's ready to connect a movie to the Bible? Okay, so far in this series, we've done, we've done uh, Ford versus Ferrari. We've done Frozen 2, and we've done Field of Dreams. Since we're running out of movies that start with F, I thought we might go in a different direction today. And we're going to be talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. How many of you have seen it? Okay, quite a few of you, okay? It's, it's a pretty good movie, okay? It, it actually brought in $1.3 billion worldwide, okay? Billion with a B. And that made it the highest grossing film of 2023, and the highest grossing film ever based on a video game. And I think after you watch this clip, you'll understand exactly why. That's good stuff. How many of you were singing along with it? Anybody? Okay, it's so hard not to, right? Peaches, 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 peaches. It's hard not to get into that. But I, I can remember watching this in the movie theater with my kids. And immediately I knew I would never look at Bowser the same way again. 
Okay, because Bowser, all my life, he's been this big, mean, and scary presence. But the manifestation of love in his life transformed his personality. It transformed his demeanor, and it transformed his reputation. As a matter of fact, the entire plot of the movie is kind of formed around this idea of Bowser loving and expressing his love to Princess Peach. Let me tell you something. In the exact same way, the entire plot of our lives needs to be around the fact that we love and want to express our love to God. Let me prove it, okay? In the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, an expert of the law, he confronts Jesus and he asks them this question. He says, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, if, if you could summarize the entire Bible in one sentence or one instruction, what would it be? Or, or what matters more than everything else that we read in Scripture? And Jesus doesn't hesitate with his answer. He's not vague. He's direct and to the point. This is what he says, Matthew 22, 37 through 38. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You see, love is the most important part of our life's plot. It's not how much money we make. It's not how successful we are. It's not how many people know our names. It's not how many books we read. It's not how many games we win. And it's not how big our gatherings are on the holidays. We were created, you and I, for the plot of our lives to center around an insatiable desire to know and love God more. The question is, how do we do that? You see, Bowser demonstrates his love to Princess Peach by singing a song. Is that, is that all that God desires from us? If so, then let's stop the sermon and go back into worship and sing, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Look, that may be part of it, but I think Jesus actually defines love in a different and very specific way. Today we're going to look at a passage in John 14, and we're going to learn how Jesus defines love so that we can reorient our entire lives around it. Let me give you a little bit of background. In this chapter, Jesus begins his farewell discourse with his disciples. These are his closest followers. His ministry on earth is coming to an end. There's coming a point where he's going to be hung up on a cross. He's going to be buried in a tomb. And then he's going to ascend up into heaven, changing everything about how these individuals interact with him. Now, up to this point, these guys have demonstrated their love for Jesus by literally abandoning everything so that they could physically follow him, physically be where he is. For example, just a few chapters before John 14, Jesus expresses a desire to go back to a place called Judea. These guys quickly point this out in John eleven eight. 8. They say, but Rabbi, but Jesus, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. You see, the disciples, they recognize this is a dangerous decision. In their mind, Jesus is risking his own life, but he's also risking theirs as well. And so they try to warn him against going to Judea. Can't we go anywhere else? But when Jesus refuses to change his plans, Thomas, one of the disciples, he steps up and he speaks for the crowd. What it says in John eleven sixteen, 16, it says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, he said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we 
may die with him. You see, wherever Jesus goes, no matter what it costs, the disciples want to be by his side. About a year ago, there was a trend going around that I tried with my son. Basically, what I did was I ran into the room real fast. I said, Brantley, come on, get your shoes on real fast. I said, there's a man that I got to fight down the street, and he's got a kid your age. If the kid jumps in, I need you to take care of him too. The idea of the challenge, okay, was, was to see is, is your kid like your ride or die buddy? Like, are they with you no matter what, or do they not really love you as much as you think they do? Just so you know, my son had his shoes on before I finished the sentence. He's my ride or die buddy. Okay, that, that's what the disciples are to Jesus right now. They are his ride or die buddy. They are by his side. At this moment, that's how they treat him. And that's, that's what represents or demonstrates their love to him. At one point, Jesus even tells them that they're going to desert him. They're going to abandon him. And Peter responds by saying this, Matthew 26, 35. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Listen, although they do eventually abandon Jesus for a season, their physical presence with him at this point is a bold proclamation of their love. But how will they demonstrate love to Jesus when, like us, they can no longer be physically present with him? That's the scenario that Jesus is preparing them for in John 14. And, and he gives them a very simple way of demonstrating love. This is what he says in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. He says, when love can no longer be expressed through physical presence, it's our voluntary submission. It's our strict adherence to his instruction that proclaims where our heart lies. Here's our sermon in a sentence coming right out of this verse. Love is expressed through obedience. What that means is that the loudest and most heartfelt song in this room can never fully express the love that our obedience can. What that means is that all the talent and all the discipline in the world falls short compared to the posture of surrender. What we're going to do is we're going to spend the rest of the time we have together today unpacking the significance, the direction, and the motivation for obedient love. First thing you need to understand about obedient love is this. Obedient love authenticates faith. Let me be crystal clear with this, okay? Our obedience will never obtain for us what only the blood of Jesus provides. Okay, we are saved by faith alone. But a transformed life of obedient love reveals the true condition of our faith. Look at what the Bible says in James 2, 14 through 17. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. See, what he says right here in a nutshell is that saving faith is not only intellectual. Okay, even the demons intellectually believe in Jesus. What sets us apart? The one thing that makes faith 
faith is that we are willing to sink the weight of surrender into it. You see, the very word in our English translations of the Bible that's translated faith or belief actually comes from the Greek word pistuo, which means a belief that is so strong that we're willing to sink our weight into it, that actions based on that belief are going to follow. You see, that that doesn't mean that we're going to obtain perfection, and that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a daily struggle But it does mean that faith without corresponding action is a biblical impossibility. Let's take it back to Mario. Okay, how many of you have played Mario as a kid? Okay, some version of every generation has a Mario game. Okay, this was my first video game that I ever had right here. Okay, Super Mario on the Super Nintendo and I absolutely loved it. But in every Mario game that I have ever played, okay, Mario can carry items, right? He can pick up a shell, he can pick up a block, but he can only carry one at a time. Why? Because he's a plumber, not a bodybuilder, okay? But regardless of what causes that, it means that if he's walking around carrying this block, and he sees that block, and he says, that's better, I want that one. As the player, what do you have to do? You have to put this one down so that you can take possession of this one. You want both of them. You can't have both of them. So you have to make a decision, which one do I want more? Listen, that's exactly what faith in Jesus looks like. You see, faith in Jesus, it trades or it it lets go of what we wanted then for what God has in store for us now. Why? Because we know we cannot carry the gift of Jesus and the promises of this world at the same time. So we make an intentional decision to embrace all that he has in store for us. Let me ask you this, okay? And I want you to really wrestle with this for just a few moments. Which box are you carrying? Does the evidence of your life authenticate your faith in Jesus? Okay, we're not going to be perfect. That's not what it's about. But we will be changed when we build the plot of our lives around loving Jesus more. That leads to the next point about obedient love. It's this. Obedient love directs us to others. See, loving Jesus doesn't just create an isolated change inside of us. It creates a hurricane of change through us. Remember what Jesus says the greatest command is? He said it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But in the very next verse, Jesus links a second command to it. This is what he says in Matthew twenty two thirty nine. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, there's, there's something about loving God and loving people that, that go together like Mario and Luigi, okay? Jesus says that loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, it will produce a very specific and intentional set of actions. It will burden us for and send us on a mission to others. You see, the, the, the verse we just read in James highlights this idea that it connects the idea of meeting the physical needs of others and, and loving Jesus. But in 1 John three seventeen through 18, it says it again. It says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. In other words, 
Okay, what he says right here is don't just sing Jesus, 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 unless we're willing to be Jesus, 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 Jesus to the people in our world. One of my favorite examples of this, it comes from my days in student ministry. Okay, and I, I was at camp with, with some students, and I, I was talking to some high school students. And I just want to say, if y'all haven't seen the way this group of students worships in this service, um, you need to take a moment to do that because they're on fire for Jesus right now, okay? They've been at camp. They've been this week. They've done River of Life. I'm telling you what, God is moving in a big way right here, okay? Those experiences create catalytic moments in their lives. But I, I was at camp one time with a bunch of students, and I, I remember sitting around with a group of high school students. They had just graduated, and, and I asked them, I said, what's your, what's your relationship with Jesus like right now? And every one of them gave me the same answer you would give me if I were to ask you that right now. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. And I pushed them a little bit farther. I'm like, I want to go deeper than that. How is your relationship with Jesus really going right now? And, and one girl, she just started sobbing. Y'all, I don't do crying very well, Okay. I thought I broke this poor girl. I, I was apologizing for asking about a relationship with Jesus. But through the sobs, she finally broke out and she said, she said, I, I just, I love Jesus more now than I've ever loved Jesus before. She said, this summer has, has transformed my life. I, I love him. I want more of him. She says, but, but that change has burdened my heart for my friends. What she told me in that moment, tears falling down her face. She said, I'm so scared that I've wasted four years of opportunities to tell my friends about the greatest love I've ever known. And she said, now that they're going off to college, I don't know that I'll ever get a chance again. Let me tell you something. That's how loving Jesus manifests itself in the world. The more focused we become on Jesus... The more in love with Jesus we become, the more burdened we're going to be for others. See, loving Jesus meets the physical and emotional needs of our neighbors. Loving Jesus fights for justice in our communities. Loving Jesus moves with compassion towards those that hurt. And most of all, loving Jesus helps us to recognize that other people desperately, more than anything else, they need a relationship with him. So let me ask you this. When's the last time you were so burdened for somebody that you lost sleep? When's the last time you were so burdened for somebody that you became as emotional about it as that girl did on that camp day? When's the last time you sacrificed something important in your life in order to meet a need in somebody else's life? Look, our job as believers, okay, today, tomorrow, every day, is to fall so in love with Jesus that it spills out like a pinata on the ones around us. There's one more point that I want to make, and I want to wrap up with this one. Okay? And the reason we're wrapping up with this one is, quite frankly, because it matters more than any of the rest. Okay? And, and the reason it matters is because it's, it's going to be the one that motivates all the others. See, if, if you leave this place and you say, I'm going to be more obedient to Jesus, that's my plan, that's my mission, that's what I'm going into this world to do, you will do that for a week or two. If you say, I'm going to go out in this world and starting today, I'm going to love people with the love of Jesus. I'm going to let the love I have for him spill out into the world around me. You will, until somebody cuts you off in traffic. <laughs> the most important part of creating lasting change in these areas 
is a daily source of motivation that will renew our commitment day after day after day. You see, we need something that every time that alarm clock goes off, it fuels and caffeinates our desire to love him through obedience and to love others. And that's found in 1 John 4, 19. This is the fuel. It says, we love because he first loved us. You see, our daily motivation for obedience and love is this. Obedient love originates with Jesus. You see, obedience doesn't start with my determination. It starts with his sacrifice. He's not calling us to visit a place that he's never been. He's calling us to embrace a lifestyle that he lived and died for. Philippians 2.8, it says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, here's the gospel. Here's the good news about Jesus Christ. God created us to be in a relationship with him. But our sins, they, they separate us from God. They, they build a barrier. And, and there's nothing we can do on our own that gets rid of that barrier. We are hopelessly separated from God. But Jesus... 2,000 years ago, Jesus left his throne in heaven. He lived a perfect life and he died a criminal's death so that he could take away that barrier so that we could be in a perfectly restored relationship with God again. His love came first. If we understand that God loves us that much, that he would send Jesus to die on the cross for us, then all of a sudden surrender in our lives is no longer a duty, it's a reflex. I'll tell you that to say this, if you're not living for Jesus today, if your life is not defined by, by obedient love that's spilling out on others, don't go home and try harder. Don't just sing louder. Dive deeper into his love and let that love transform you from the inside out. Listen, love is expressed through what? Oh, we do a sermon and a sentence for a reason, okay? Simplifies everything. So you know what you're supposed to take away from the sermon. Okay, if you can't do it now, you won't remember it tomorrow. Love is expressed through what? Obedience. Love is expressed through obedience. We were not created to achieve success for the sake of achieving success. We weren't created to be good for the sake of being good. We were created to be sold out believers who are transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Let's make that our goal today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we surrender our lives to you. God, in this very moment, we just simply say that we belong to you. There's nothing else that we want to pursue. There's nothing else that we want to live for. There's nothing else that fills our heart with joy like you do. And so we want to put everything down so that we can experience more and more of you. God, I pray that you help us to do that now. I pray that right now, God, you place conviction in the hearts of every single person that's here, myself included, God. Help us to feel the weight of our disobedience so that we can lean into your love, we can lean into your grace, we can lean into your sacrifice, all the things that you've done for us, be transformed and live a new life. God, help us to follow you more. Help us to be motivated by your sacrifice 
and help this world to be changed because of it. We pray all this in Jesus' name.